Friends, welcome to another episode of Making Disciples. My name is Chris Rogers and I'm your host. So pleased to have you with me uh, today. Now, a couple of things straight off the bat. Today's episode, in some ways, is a continuation of the podcast episode two weeks ago where we talked about Pharisees, first thing to say. Uh, secondly, it's Advent, so we're going to have an Advent theme around uh, today's episode. I don't know yet if there's going to be an episode in two uh, next week's time when you're listening to this. Um, I've just had an operation and I'm kind of in recovery. It's, don't worry about it. It's been going on for a long while. I've had issues with my right ear. And strangely, during the COVID lockdown, I had a very odd uh, growth in my ear, which has now been removed, but I am recovering from that. And it's not, you know, sometimes recovery is a straight line, isn't it? And sometimes recovery is a little bit more of a winding path. And this is definitely a winding path. So I, I didn't want to leave us uh, kind of just parked where we were last week. I want to give us something to think about for Advent. But, you know, with all that said, if during this podcast, you think, God, gosh, Chris wasn't quite as clear as he sometimes is. That may well be because of the medication that I'm on. So I warn you with that. Uh, and I also kind of warn you up front, if I say anything crazy, I blame it also on, on the medication. Um, but, you know, keep me in prayer. I don't know if there'll be one the following week. Um, we've got plans for January and picking back up after Christmas. Uh, we'll see what happens in the next in the next week. Uh, one other thing to say, Apprentice to Jesus, 40 Days of Walking in the Way. New book that we've published for Lent 2021. It's come out. It's ready. Uh, I had never thought about this, but publishers publish books for Lent in the autumn the year before. So it has now come out. And I'd love to invite you to pick up a copy, Apprentice to Jesus, 40 Days of Walking in the Way. And it's a book to read during Lent, giving you something every day to invest into your spiritual formation. And I'd love you to get a copy. And I'd love it to be cheeky and say, could you pick up a second copy and give it to your church leader, your pastor, and say, could we as a church use this for Lent next year? Because it is crafted in, in a way that will really help an individual and a church up their game around discipleship. It is published by SPCK. If you head to the Making Disciples website, the resource section, you can buy copies from there. But at the time of recording this podcast, if you go to the SPCK website, they're the publishers. I noticed that they're doing a nice little discount uh, and it's a couple of pounds off. Uh, so it's about £7.90 on their website right now. Uh, I don't know if it'll stay like that for, for very long, but they've got that as like a launch price. So uh, you might want to head to SPCK to pick it up. But friends, anyway, here we go. We're going to talk about Advent. We're going to talk about light. We're going to talk about Jesus. And we'll land it with a little thought around what does it mean for you to be the light of the world. So here we go, Making Disciples. My name is Chris Rogers. You are warmly welcome as we explore Jesus and the light of the world. So here we go. Let's jump into this podcast episode. Now, last week, or two weeks ago, I should say, we did a podcast about Phariseeism. And we looked at the need within religious people to be right and the importance for them to feel like they are right. And uh, 
the story we kind of anchored around the story of the stoning of the woman. And in the Gospel of John, either side of the account of the Pharisees' conversation with Jesus about the woman that needed to be stoned, uh, you have got an event that I want us to just explore today. And you'll find this in John chapter 8, verses 12 to 20. And this whole section of John is, is a section around Jesus's engagement with Pharisees. But hidden within the text, there's also these nudge, nudge, wink, winks going on. Jesus is saying much, much more than what it looks like on the surface. Now, I want to start first by talking about Batman, and then we're going to talk about Jesus. I don't know if you've seen the Dark Knight movie, uh, the Batman Dark Knight movie. I love the Dark Knight series, uh, my favourite Batmans, really, other than Batman uh, 1989, you know, the original uh, Batman movie. I'm saying original, original to me, that is. Uh, but the Dark Knight Rises series is just insanely good. And in the third movie, Bane, if you've never seen it, he's the baddie. We, 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 we like to talk in terms of goodies and baddies, don't we? So he's the baddie. Bane says this, oh, you think darkness is your ally, ally but it's, you've been merely adopted into the dark. I was born into it, moulded by it. I didn't see the light until I was already a man. By then, it was nothing to me other than blinding. Uh, in the story, Bane is literally imprisoned in the dark uh, until his adult years where he then comes out to the light and he's articulating this, the light was just blinding. Now, we live in a culture right now that celebrates darkness. There's something, I, I know we've just come out of Halloween as well, but there's a real celebration of darkness. And even some of my most favourite TV shows, you know, celebrate somewhat of the darkness. You know, Stranger Things, I love that TV show. It all plays around with this idea of this underworld, this upside down place, this dark place. And we celebrate the dark things as a part of culture. And I think one of the contrasting messages that we find in the scriptures uh, is just this beautiful image that Christ is this beautiful light in the world. This, this blinding light is what Bain describes, like this blinding light. You know, to somebody who's in the dark, Christ is this blinding light. The light of Christ is bright, particularly to those who live in the dark. And if you live in the dark, the light of Christ can be so right it's painful jesus uses this language of light and dark a lot in the gospel of john now the gospel of john i love the gospel of john because and we'll do it we'll do an episode i guess on this kind of in the new year but what i love about the gospel of john he uses a lot of visual imagery to help us understand theological uh principles in other words john uses very simple pictures to help us understand a very deep, profound spiritual thing. And one of the neat things that John does in, in his gospel is he actually sets it up with a countdown within it. So within it, he says right at the very beginning, this was the first sign. And when you have this miracle that Jesus does, he kind of nods to that miracle by saying that was the first sign. And then he says that was the second sign, the third sign, the fourth sign. And you kind of you carry these signs through, these numbers going through until you realize that Christ's death and resurrection uh, is the seventh and eighth sign. And Christ's resurrection is this, the, this new sign of a new day. It's, it's incredible picture that he's woven into the text. One of the others that he weaves in 
are essentially he takes from Jesus himself, but uses it purposefully in, in his gospel is this image of light and dark. So right at the very beginning of the gospel of John, I've got the gospel of John open uh, in front of me right here. Uh, gospel of John uh, chapter one, uh, verse five says the light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. Uh, verse nine, the true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. And I'm just going to zone in on John eight for a moment. And I'm going to show you where else this light imagery kind of appears uh, in the Gospel of John. But let me just read this to you. This is John 8, 12 to 20. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, uh, but will have the light of life. And the Pharisees challenged him. Uh, Here you are appearing as your own witness. Your testimony is not valid. You're making an argument about yourself, Jesus, that you can't do that. Jesus answered them. Uh, Even if I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is still valid, for I know where I am from and where I am going. But you have no idea where I am from or where I'm going. You judge by human standards. I pass judgment on no one. But if I do judge, my decisions are true because I am not alone. I stand with the Father who has sent me. In your own law, it is written that the testimony of two witnesses is true. I am a one who testifies for myself and another witness is the father who sent me. Then they asked him, where is your father? Where is your dad? You do not know me or my father, Jesus replied. If you know me, you would know who my father was also. He spoke these words while teaching in the temple courts near the place where the offerings were put. Yet no one seized him because his hour had not yet come. Great little interaction here, all about who is Jesus, uh, him giving account for his own life. And actually, is he he valid in what he's saying? Beautiful picture here of the father, the son coming from the father and the father saying, this is my son. All that kind of picture in there. What we have got here is, uh, you know, it's always important when you read anything in the in the in the scriptures uh, beginning to end to ask the question, where is this passage that I'm reading place is it in galilee is it in jerusalem is it in caesarea philippi is it in turkey where is it is this rome where is this being written because where it's being written will tell you a lot about how to understand what's being said we also have to ask ourselves not just where it is location wise but also in what time scale uh, what part of the history is this in does that give us any clues any ideas and if a location is mentioned we have to ask ourselves uh what what's happening specifically in that location now this passage that we've got here is set in in a period of time in a place in Jerusalem that you and I could very easily skip by without noticing. So we're told that Jesus is in the temple in Jerusalem, the place where the offerings were put. Okay, so he's in the temple in Jerusalem. When is he in the temple in Jerusalem? Now, to understand that question, when is he in the temple in Jerusalem? You've just got to look back a chapter before, and we're told in John 7, uh, that Jesus goes to the Feast of the Tabernacles. So here we go, friends. Let me explain to you the Feast of Tabernacles. The Feast of Tabernacles is also known as the Feast of Booths. The Jewish name for this festival is Shukot. And the festival would celebrate God's leading of his people through the wilderness when they were camping out in the wilderness. And God led his people for 40 years in the wilderness. It took them a long time to do a six-month journey. They're camping out. And while they were camping out, God led them on a journey. And we're told that by night, 
there was a pillar of fire that led the people of God uh, and a cloud by day. And this is the festival that the people celebrated. They would go to Jerusalem to celebrate this festival of Shukut, festival of booths, booths are tabernacles. Thousands upon thousands of them would build tents on the Mount of Olives, just in the valley overlooking Jerusalem, the temple. They would camp out there for this festival for seven days, and they would go into Jerusalem to celebrate this festival. And in that uh, festival, in that city, there were certain things that would happen. This is what gets really interesting. Okay, start to get a little bit excited. So they are in Jerusalem. They are celebrating God's presence that formed in this pillar of fire that led the people of God through this time of confusion, this time of darkness in the wilderness. The fire would lead them to what was going to become the promised land. And a couple of things happened during this festival. Now, the first thing I'll tell you is this. In the temple in Jerusalem, in the core of women, which was the most accessible part of the temple, stood four golden oil-filled lamps. These were manure candles and they stood, get this, 75 feet high. In other words, these manure candles were so big that they stood taller than the walls of the temple itself which meant the light that came out from those manure candles was said to be so bright the entire city was lit by them so festival of booths shukut in the temple giant candles lit and jesus stands in the temple during this festival and says I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in the darkness, but have the light of life. What's going on here? What's going on here? Who is it first that Jesus is claiming to be? Anybody ever says to you, does Jesus ever say he's God? Does he ever make that claim himself with his own lips? Jesus says here, I am the light of the world. Now that's one of Jesus's John Gospel, I am statements. Whenever Jesus uses the phrase, I am, he's taking us back to the Exodus story and Moses says to God, what do I say to them when they say, which God are you? And God says, tell them I am Yohevah, uh, which translates as uh, the great I am or the God that exists. This phrase, I am, the God that exists is what God was known as in the Old Testament. Yahweh is the way that it's sometimes said. So Jesus says, I am. Okay, notice what he's saying. I am there. I am the light of the world. So the light that led the people of God through the darkness of the wilderness period of 40 years, this pillar of light this pillar of fire that led them from slavery into freedom. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. He, he's, he's, he's saying these big candle menorahs, this is who I am. I am the light that you celebrate. He's, he's, he's making this claim that he is that light, that fire personified in flesh and blood. Who was the pillar the pillar was God, his presence, his holy presence leading them. So Jesus is making a very clear statement here about who he is. 
And whoever follows this pillar will never walk in the darkness, but have the light of life. Now, I just want to back up a second. The word light is appearing throughout the Gospel of John. Now, the word light that you have here in the Greek, uh, I, I'm interested in how that can be translated. And one of the ways that some of the um, translators translate that word light is they could say, actually, uh, we've translated it as the function. But actually, the picture there is of a lantern and that Jesus is the lamp and lamps produce light. Therefore, we've translated the function of the lamp rather than the actual lamp itself. So I, I like the idea. Jesus stands up and says, I am the lamp of the world. This whole idea of following a lamp, uh, I just love that. It might That might help you a little bit. I am the lamp of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. I love that because you have the lamp imagery throughout scripture. We're told that the scriptures are the lamp unto our feet. We're told that Jesus is the word made flesh. The scriptures are the word of God. Jesus is the word of God uh, in flesh. I love how it kind of ties up some of those those pieces of imagery that Jesus is this beautiful lamp. Now, let's just back up a second because he also says something else. Uh, so in John 7, it's the same event, but it's just a few days before. It says in John 7, verse 37, on the last and greatest day of the feast, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, if anybody is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within me. Again, just this ties back into the Festival of Booths. If you know the story of God leading his people from slavery into freedom, you'll know that there's a point in that story that where they start saying, is God going to provide for us? And God ends up providing magical bread from heaven, which we call manna, literally translates into English as, what is it? They called it manna, bread from heaven on the floor. What is it? But he also provides water from hitting a stone. And he hit this rock and out the rock comes God's provision of water. Out of, out of a dry rock comes living water. And Jesus, uh, in the festival of booths, what they would do is they would carry uh, seven or eight giant water barrels through the city and pour it on the altar as a symbol of God's provision follow the people when they were in the darkness when they're in this wilderness period and i love that jesus then at the same time stands up the greatest day this is the day when they were carrying these big um, canisters of water and he says these amazing words in a loud voice if anybody is thirsty let them come to me he's making the point that he is the same god that provided water in the wilderness jesus makes these statements about who he is all the time but we sometimes kind of miss it so Jesus is really making this clear point that he is the same God of the Old Testament. He is the God Yahweh. He is a, a, a part of this Godhead that we believe in, this Trinity of Godhead, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So who is Jesus claiming to be? He's definitely claiming to be God. Who is Jesus for us? Well, in this passage, we're told that Jesus is the one that will provide for your deepest thirsts. And Jesus is the one that will lead you out of the place of darkness. And I think this is really important. 2020 has been a dark year. We have been living in an Advent year, a year where we are waiting for the Advent. We're waiting for the moment when Christ will come. We've been living in an isolated, lonely year. and We're waiting for the God of relationship to appear and be with us. 
Advent, this season of waiting for God. So who is Jesus for us? He is the one that provides for us, uh, for our spiritual needs. He is the one that leads us as a lamp uh, to uh, the new place that he is wanting to lead us. Uh, you know, on all of our minds right now, we're thinking 2020, we want to get out of here. We want to get into 2021. 2021 is not going to suddenly become this magic year where everything's amazing. It, like 2020 is going to bleed into 2021, isn't it? Like, but the reality is we, we're hopeful for next year and what next year will bring. So Jesus is the lamp that is going to lead us into this place of light from darkness into light. So who is Jesus for us? He's the lamp unto our feet. He's the one that wants to give us direction and he wants to give us a route through the, com the, sorry, the complexities of what we're living in right now. So who are we then? Let's just ask this question. Jesus has said he is God. Jesus has said he is the light of the world. Uh, Jesus is this for us. So who are we? And this is interesting. So I'm just going to flick very quickly in my Bible here to Matthew 5, because in Matthew 5, it says this, Matthew 5, 14. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, uh, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. So Jesus says, I am the light of the world in John. And in Matthew, he says, you are the light of the world. Well, which is it? That's a bit confusing, Jesus. Are, are you the light? Are we the light? Is that a contradiction, Jesus? Are you, are you using the metaphor differently in different places? And the truth of it is the answer is just simply, yep. Jesus is the light of the world. Yep. You and I are the light of the world. Yep. How can that be true? It's true because Jesus is the light. He is the one, the picture of God's presence in dark times. He is the lamp unto our feet. He is the one that will lead us. And when you have accepted Jesus and say yes to that light, that light becomes this, this presence that you carry as well. And that light is now placed in you. The lamp is now in you and you become this bearer of that lamp, that light into the world. Advent is this beautiful season of wanting the light to come in darkness. And then this is amazing truth that when we accept that light, we become bearers of that same light to the world. What we receive, we receive it to give it away. And I think one of the really neat things here is uh, when you come across somebody who is really in love with Jesus, you and I, we see that light in them, don't we? We spot it. There's something distinctly, beautifully different about that individual because you can see there's something in them. And I think many of us, let's, let's look at this year. Many of us will look at this year and say, what was the point? What was the point? I don't feel I achieved anything. I don't feel like I could give anything. I, I feel like I've been trapped. I feel like I have been lost. I feel like I've wasted a year. Friends, if you've got the light of Christ in you, if nothing else this year, you have been shining that light without others even noticing. Your little comments on Facebook, Twitter, your comments to your neighbours, the note that you've written, that phone call that you made, that text message you made, that meal that you put on someone's doorstep, all of this stuff is proclaiming and shining the light of Jesus into the world. When we are filled with it, we end up sharing it without even realising it. I had this um, 
revelation last night of a picture and the picture was of a gig and in many gigs people will now nowadays uh, will take out their mobile phone and they'll light it up at a particular song and everybody waves their mobile phone light uh it used to be a candle that people would light or they take a torch to a gig and it's the same moment and the interesting thing is during the day that event with all those mobile phones being lit at that moment in that particular song would be pretty insignificant because the darkness um, is needed. You can't see the light without the dark. And if the gig was during the day, no matter how many mobile phones were shining their torches, nothing would be seen. But it's in the dark that suddenly the light becomes profound. Remember Bane in Batman? He says, because he's so used to the dark, he knows the dark, the light becomes so much more powerful, it's blinding. You may not realize it, but this year has been a dark year and the light that you carry inside of you has been shining without you even realizing it. Can I have an amen? This year has been a dark year and without you even realizing it, you've been shining the light of Jesus, which means people have been seeing something in you without you even realizing it. So who are you? You are also now this bearer of this light of the world, uh, which is Jesus in us so the light jesus is the lamp of the world the fire of the world this light of the world and you and i witness that light in advent we celebrate that light in advent and we get to be that light in advent and beyond in this advent can you let jesus be your lamp and can you be a lamp to others now this image of light goes throughout john john 1 i read it to you a little earlier on but in john 1 it starts by saying the light shines in the darkness but darkness cannot overcome it that's true about jesus and it's true about you true light that gives light to every person was coming into the world come on jesus then says speaks up i am the light of the world whoever follows me will never walk in darkness but i've seen a great light when you follow jesus you are following in the light you are walking in it therefore you are shining it you are mirroring it i i, I love that well if you are where jesus is then you're where the light is and then in john um, chapter 9 it kind of goes on you know jesus says john in chapter 9 while i am in the world i am the light of the world but i guess you could say that once jesus isn't in the world or his physical manifestation has gone then we become that light. We become bearers of that light in the world. So friends, I want you to reflect on this. How is Jesus your Advent light? How is Jesus leading you? Do you need to seek out that light? And then how are you going to be that light to others? Can you represent that light to those around you? So that is my Advent thought for you guys. Uh, today i am the light of the world whoever follows me will never walk in the darkness go research this festival of shikut booths or tabernacles whatever uh, you want to call it it's got multiple different names hunt it down give a google to have a look at light uh, in the wilderness that pillar of fire that led the people of god by day Google that picture, be inspired by that image of light in the wilderness. You might want to go and Google a picture of the menorah candles in Jerusalem, 75 feet tall. Google it. Get a picture of it in your mind. 
Friends, I hope and pray that you found that helpful. Uh, I hope and pray that you have a great Advent and I look forward to catching up with you again uh, in the new year. So until next time, grace and peace. Bye.